Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to a special episode of Discover More. This week marks two years of the Discover More podcast. So we'll be celebrating with an episode of highlights from our most recent interviews and episodes. The past two years have been such a fulfilling journey and we're so immensely grateful for our many incredible guests, friends, listeners, and supporters. Thank you all for all that you do. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. change within 
months, honestly, almost within weeks, if you start looking at every challenge as an opportunity, either to find a solution or to grow. If you were an advocate, so this is just a hypothetical situation of you're able to put one page in front of every textbook in the country for everyone from K through 12. And that one page would say like one to two sentences that every student would be able to read going into school every day. You know, maybe this comes from your personal experience growing up in the education system or maybe more recently dealing with mental health so much. But what message would you like to deliver students with every morning before they begin their days? You are enough. You are more than enough. And I felt like I wasn't. I felt like I, I felt like I never forget this one time I was in fourth grade. Did you guys have a like computer labs in your school? Yeah. yeah, we had computer labs. So we went to the computer lab one day to basically, but this was the days before Quizlet. You guys know what that is. And, and like we are, we would do these math equations, these timed math equations um, on the computer screen. And, you know, I went with the class and we load up our computers. I remember, you know, we got on the screen and like the first equation, let's say it was like, I don't know, 36 times five. And, you know, there was going to be like shuffled uh, cards that we, you'd answer each question in a timely manner. And I raised my hand without even trying to answer the first question. And I literally had the teacher come over, Miss Saunders, and I said, uh, I, can't, I can't do this because, you know, I go to a different room during math tests. So should I even be here right now? I don't think I can answer these questions. I automatically disqualified myself from even trying because I was told that you have a learning disability. And that person wasn't even in the room. So like their voice became my voice and I limited myself and I convinced myself that I wasn't enough. And it was thankful to my parents reminding me that I'm enough, I'm smart enough to be in that room. Because think about what it led to as a ripple effect, imposter syndrome. You're not enough, that's, that's what imposter syndrome is. You think it's a mistake that you're in this room. And I often felt like that all the time. So in that book, I would write, you are more than enough. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise because Oh, gosh, that that gets my get my heart up a little bit. <laughs> gets me frustrated a little bit because so many kids fall victim to that, and they just put a ceiling on themselves because someone else put the ceiling on them in the first place. And my parents remind me there is no ceiling that I can't knock. Like that logic lyric, like how can the sky be the limit if there's if there's footprints on the moon? I'm shooting for the fucking moon, and then <laughs> you're not gonna freaking stop me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. But yeah, that that gets me hyped up. But thank you for that question. I would literally put that you are more than enough and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's why the ability to reframe your perspective matters so much. Because like we've heard this before, like, like your reality is your perception or your perception is reality. But another layer to that is I think reality equals to perception plus perspective. Because your perception is shaped by your experiences. That's what your perception of the world, that's your perception of who you are, your self-esteem, your confidence, your anxiety, your mental health, your family, your trauma, that shapes your perception. But your perspective is, I think, what you take away from your perception and how you apply that. And because I think a lot of times, especially in today's era, people always say information is power, knowledge is power. But I've talked about this before, but I think appliance is power. Because when you have too much information, when you have too much going on, you're going to get distracted. That's when like paralysis by analysis happens. That's when decision-making fatigue happens. So it's all about what can you apply from that experiences. I think what human likes to do because the way our brains are programmed, we like to seek out a pattern. 
we like to intellectualize everything. The way we do pattern recognition is because the more you do pattern recognition, the more you recognize what a pattern is. The more you recognize something, the more certain it is. And pattern recognition, I think, is a, is a surviving or coping mechanism that humans have developed to cope with the uncertainties. But by doing that, you're attaching the meaning to that pattern. It's really funny because I thought that when I hit a certain level of success, when I wasn't stressed about money anymore, when you know my business was sort of sustainable, that life would be so much easier. And it is in one sense, right? Like there's a lot of, I'm so grateful to not have to like worry how we're gonna pay our bills or um, you know, feel so caught up in what's my business model? I feel so confused and all of these things that plagued me for a long time. But at the same time, it's like, crappy stuff still happens. There's still hard days and I'm just human. I have the same brain, I'm the same person. So in one sense, it's this gratitude of the pain because the pain helps us. And, and I think that when I was living in more, more deep pain than I am now, more hardship, more struggle, I resented it. I felt like a victim a lot, I'm not gonna lie, um, which I, I really don't like the victim mentality, but I think it's natural for us sometimes to fall into that. I felt like, why is this happening to me? Why isn't my business working? And if you've never heard me speak before, or this is the first time we're meeting and you're listening, I failed for the first almost three full years in my business, losing money, and I, and I kept going. And it was very painful and very hard, and I wanted to give up so many times. What I didn't understand when I was living it is that pain was really serving me. I always see failure in general as either a lesson or a redirection. And through all of my experiences, it was, it's so clear, like, oh, that was the lesson I needed to learn because it's preparing me for this goal I'm embarking on now. Or, oh, wow, I was redirected because I wasn't meant, I was, for example, I was building an app. Um, so I was being like the tech CEO. It's not my zone of genius. It's not my skill set. It's not what I was meant to do in the world. And so God, universe, whatever you believe in was, was redirecting me to this place I am now where I'm doing work that really uses my gifts and talents that I was born with. And we all have those inside of us. And sometimes the only way we're gonna uncover those is by failing, by going through pain, by having these moments where we question everything. So I think pain is a really beautiful thing and I still experience pain. It's definitely different pain. Uh, it's definitely, I would say, easier to solve your problems when you have more time, more money, a better support system, all kinds of things that I've built but there's still problems. The idea of hormesis is basically getting stronger through adversity or taking on intentional challenges to grow in other areas of life. That's a very stoic idea, a stoic philosophy of facing those challenges so that the rest of life gets a lot easier. And I think that can be applied in any number of areas. We talk a lot about employing hindsight as foresight and recognizing that when things are the toughest is when you're growing the most. And I've personally tried to employ that within the last few months of my work experience of working 60 hour weeks and still trying to contribute to the podcast and keep my health in order. But really knowing, reminding myself in that moment, this is where we're growing. This is what I'm doing the work for where finding the opportunity to 
grow in something that objectively looks adverse and stressful. I mean, certainly there's still times and there's no way to rid or shed those feelings specifically. I think as humans, we'll always feel some level of stress just from a biological perspective, but really embracing that idea of using that time for growth. And it's almost a simple reframe around the question, how is this experience serving me? You don't have to make any judgments or reactions right now. Notice it and sit with it. So I think as a tangible tool, that could be really helpful for people too. Like we don't always have to make decisions based off what we're feeling right now. We don't always have to react. We don't always have to do this. We don't always have to do that, right? So we can just sit with it. If something's really bothering you, if you're really happy, sit with it for a minute and just kind of soak that in. And in the yoga world, that's the integration phase. In the for treating trauma, that's such an important phase. Okay, so we've done this body work, so we've done this reflection. How is that going to change the future for us? Like, how are we going to build those practices into our, you know, tomorrows? What's that going to look like? Uh, whenever I'm going into an endeavor, I see it. I see it as it is. I free fall towards it. I just believe in myself and I go towards it. And I plan. I execute. Right after I execute, I reflect and then I pivot. And that's what people don't do. But that doesn't mean after I pivot, I don't, I go back. I go back into that cycle. I plan, execute, reflect, pivot. Then I do it again. Plan, execute, reflect, pivot. Because all you're doing is you're aligning yourself to be in the correct aspect for yourself, you know? Or for that project, in that aspect. Like literally, like. You brainwash yourself for the better. You put things into yourself that you now intentionally believe in these things that you did not believe in before. With this change of attitude, it just changes the vibration in your body, man. It gets you to do things so differently. It gets your mind sparking in a certain way that uh, leads you to solutions. So attitude is so key. Uh, I wanted to mention back on a moment with a colleague that I used to work with. He was like a mid 40 year old guy, uh, senior accountant. I think he's been there for like 12 years. So I expressed to him the idea or the concept of retiring in four to five years through real estate. Long story short, laughed at me. Uh, actually, he kind of made a mock of me and said, I get it too, your, your altitude is based on your attitude, right? <laughs> the funny thing is four years later after I wrote retirement email, and I specifically labeled it retirement email, I made mention to that. I actually shouted out to him telling him how much I appreciated the energy that he provided to me several years ago when we were training in the interns because it was that energy that I needed, that doubt from him that I needed in order to get me going. And in reference to that email, I mentioned to him, you're right, your altitude is based on your attitude. And during that four-year process, that four-year journey, I kept my attitude sky high. And because of that, I am now where I am currently today. So thank you so much, I appreciate you. Many people can take these moments as very negative. I took it and flipped it on its head. Anytime you receive these experiences, these moments that the universe is placing in front of you, you gotta take it in a way where you're blessed and grateful for these moments because it's going to lead to an evolution process, a development process, a change process, a time for growth. So I look forward to every experience and challenge that comes my way. I don't know if you know Glennon Doyle. Um, she's a writer and 
she wrote the book Untamed. I think it came out this year. I recently read it, but she did something very much like following her own path. She basically, she had a family with a husband and kids and she ended up divorcing her husband and marrying a woman. Like she had like a very big drastic shift in her life. But one thing she says throughout the book is like, once you follow what you actually want to do, that's actually better for the people around you. Like that will actually help the people around you because in her example, her kids saw the joy she felt around this woman and they saw that she was following her heart and like truly happy when she was with this woman. And that in itself was a good example for her kids. Whereas if she had just done what society expected, what she, she felt like she was supposed to do by staying with her husband, she really wasn't happy at all. So she could either be living this life really sad, really down, not being able to like show that to her kids, or she can make this change in her life and really show up. And the way her family reacted, now she's like friends with her husband, he's friends with her, her new wife, her kids are happy, they're following their passions. And her son recently came out as gay. And she was actually saying, her husband said to her like, Glennon, I really don't think he would have been able to do this if you didn't show up the way you have in your life. Take the time to be introspective on yourself whenever you can, especially in the areas that you don't always want to face. So if there's something that you don't like about you, I don't say that to drag, to intentionally have people drag themselves into a bad headspace, but you're not going to be able to deal with and fix the issue unless you face it head on and understand why that's a part of you and why it would need to change or not. You might like that part of yourself. But yeah, don't be afraid to face any parts of you because they are a part of you and you have to you have to embrace, accept, and love yourself as you are before you can make it anything else that you would want it to be. Right, if you think about the genesis of our podcast, when I presented this idea to you to start a podcast with me to start this new vision together, I was very excited and I remember you were shitting yourself. Like what? Talking about our experiences in public? Right, so in that sense, I'm way more open and it comes easier for me. And I think I just simply have built more neural pathways that enable me to share these things. I think those things can be cultivated. And once you do that, over time, it becomes, becomes very easy. Like for us, we haven't recorded and hopped on a mic in a month, but like 20 minutes in, it flows, right? And it gets easier and easier. But I think vulnerability, I think true vulnerability requires true discomfort. So if the presenter doesn't feel any discomfort sharing whatever I'm about to share, then how is that being vulnerable? I think the definition of vulnerability is inheriting to discomfort, right? And vice versa. So I think you're spot on. I do think that there is no true vulnerability without true discomfort. And if, you're, if you feel comfortable sharing whatever you want to share, then that may be a vulnerable pieces of your experience of the past. But currently speaking, you're not vulnerable at that very moment. I recommend that people look at creativity and take the time to discover their own creativity through a different lens. We are taught to understand creativity as this like pen and paper, grab a paintbrush, go to town, this like very definitive act. 
when in actuality we are using our creative energies all the time. So I would challenge people to be just a little bit more open-minded in where creativity actually plays a massive role in your life, in your decision-making, and how can you have more fun in your decision-making? How can you be more creative on a day-to-day basis? And what does that look like to you? I think in that discovery process, you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think first things first, I'm definitely not the only one doing this at this point, nor was I the very first one to be on social media as a doctor, that's for sure. Uh, but I do think that over time, we've seen a shift of putting ourselves more into our social media presence rather than just simply being a professional on there spewing facts. And I think my motivation is because there's so much distrust in our healthcare system and in health professionals. Uh, We've seen that play out with the pandemic. And I think that it's important to show that, you know, we're human beings too. We have personalities, we have the same struggles and interests and the same questions that everyone else has. We might have a different perspective because we have more context and we're able to interpret the science more readily. And that's why I think it's important to like kind of put the two together and show that, hey, we're human beings. We have the same sort of concerns and we have families too. And we you know, live in this country as well. So um, that way people can relate and you know, we can empathize with one another. Yeah, excellent point, Mamla. I think you just pointed out a really interesting idea and almost the ethos of what we're trying to talk about. And it's the fact that balance is created, not found. I think for a while I was thinking about how to find balance, you know, kind of seeking for it in external places. But really, the idea that we'd like to drive home is that it's created through awareness and refinement. So what I mean by that is it's a trial and error process where we try different things and then reflect on how those are impacting how we're feeling and how we're showing up. So for me, I've found through experimentation, sometimes I need to go spend more time with other people. Other times I need to go reflect by myself. Um, Sometimes I need to go play a sport because I've been working too much or sometimes if I don't feel like doing anything, I'll try and just get the smallest thing done, maybe making my bed or preparing a home cooked meal. But really that process of self-awareness as a forefront, following that awareness with intuitive movement or intuitive action, whether that's work, whether that's play, or even if it's just rest, but really that process of awareness, intuitive movement, and then perpetual refinement. So refinement meaning continuing to reflect and continuing to improve and that this process never never stops, right? So creating balance looks different to everybody, but it really comes from that place of awareness, intuition, and refinement. It just makes common sense, at least in terms of the health aspect as well. And it really only clicked for me about five months ago. Cause like I said, I stopped eating dairy. I stopped eating gluten. The brain fog cleared up immediately within 12 days. All the lingering depression I had was gone. It was, I was like a whole new person again. Within 30 days, I felt happy <laughs> within uh, 30 days or somewhere around there. I don't know how many days it was. I probably could have listed about 10 different differences in my life that was significantly better in terms of my health just for that one doing that thing. And yeah, you know, some people are gonna react differently than other people. You know, food is medicine. I think that's pretty powerful, so. 
talk to almost anyone if you have a reason to talk to them. You can also ask almost anyone anything. And this is something my mom told me, it's a classic one. If you don't ask, the answer's always no. So I ask a lot and I talk a lot about what my goals are in ways that it's not like, I'm not demanding people help me, but I'm just like, hey, this is what I do. And I also give back a lot, you know, so I do a lot for other people. So I don't feel, just talk a lot about what I want to do and people are able to help. And I'm able to help when people tell me what they're trying to do. So it's, it's a good symbiosis, but for any listeners, reach out to who you want to reach out to. They'll probably help you. And also keep asking and talking about what your goals are because people have resources and they're down to give it to you. They just have to know how to help. So talk about what you're doing. I'd say when I'm talking to anyone, whether that's with coaching clients or with, uh, you know, my team members in my Perium business, I'd say that, you know, whatever goal you're working towards is going to take patience, persistence, and consistency. And if you can harness and embrace those three factors, no matter what your goal is, no matter how big it is or how daunting it seems, if you can be patient, persistent, and consistent, you will get there. You know, it may take a month, six months, six years, 10 years. Depends on the size of your goal, depending on how hard you're working for it. But just reminding ourselves that world of instant gratification, most things that are great don't happen instantly. So we gotta be patient. And like we talked about earlier, there's gonna be the pain teacher, it's gonna be adversity, there's gonna be stressors. We gotta be persistent through all that. And there's always gonna be distractions, big rocks. We gotta be consistent. So if we're patient, persistent, and consistent, no matter what we're working towards, we're going to accomplish it. We just got to detach ourselves from a time frame and just keep working towards it every single day. For whatever reason, like it's been created that having a sustainable business is not profitable for some reason. I don't know where that idea came from, but I feel like well, number one, it's wrong, but also because the way that society is moving, it's really the only way to have a functioning business. So if you're creating practices that are not going to last, then theoretically you cannot have a business that lasts. So creating a sustainable business like on all on all fronts is just better for everyone, but also like just good for your business. <laughs> For example, uh, Mikhail Bakhtin. Bakhtin is one of uh, the people who I study a lot in the field of linguistics. He wrote a lot about uh, something called dialogism and monogism, or uh, monologism, sorry. In brief, dialogism says, so he was more of a uh, literary critic. And so with literary criticism, he said, when you go to a text and you read a novel by somebody and they present different characters, Every character should be viewed as having their own storyline. So rather than the author of the text sharing their ideology through seven different characters, you should read it through the lens of these seven characters have their own voices and they're coming through on the page and they have their own backstory and their own backdrop. So dialogism plays out in the classroom in the same way. So recognizing theoretically that every student that I have has their own story. They all have their own narrative. They're all coming through on the page, i.e. my classroom. And like you said, we can't dismiss them. It's very dehumanizing to pretend that all of these students can learn all the same way and they all have the same capacity and they all have the same background and this is how it should be taught. The things that 
I believed and thought and held true in 2000 and 2008 and 2010 and 14 and 6 they change the world changes we live in a different time today versus yesterday getting comfortable with being uncomfortable probably the number one lesson I learned in law school probably the number one piece of advice I can give to anybody who's trying to like delve into this nuance and to learn more things and to really you know push the bounds of their own belief systems and probably what's going to make this country and the world a little bit better if we're just kind of cool with that thank you everyone for listening to this week's special episode about our highlights from our most recent episodes and interviews and this is just the beginning of our special episode series where next week we will be dropping our an hour and a half of our collective and individual reflections upon our two years of experiences both in and outside of our discover podcast and we strongly encourage you and we would love to see you join us for next week's special release as well and as always thank you so much for discovering more with us this week thank you Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.